morning. Thank you, Sheila. What a friend we have in Jesus. Glad to have you here this morning at Trinity Lutheran Church. Welcome this day. Welcome Pastor Tom to the pulpit and to the table. We're glad that you're here this morning. Welcome to all those people who are not here, maybe online, maybe on vacation, but we're glad you're here. Talk a little bit about following and other things this morning. So uh, you'll have some things to sing here and there, uh, starting with a song from the Hispanic tradition. Um, you have come down to the lake shore. nice to see you. It's good to be with you. I'm grateful for this opportunity as we share in worship this morning, and I'm grateful for all those who are out there watching us right now, like Pastor Jim is watching you. You better wave at Pastor Jim. There we go. Thank you, Pastor Jim. And uh, as a part of our entering into worship this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're sending with Deacon Amy many of our youth off to, I think it's Luther Haven in Idaho. So before they leave, they're going to leave right now, we want to offer them a word of blessing. So 
Deacon Amy, please, if you would come. Thanks. Come on, guys. Come stand around the font here. Come stand around the font. Here we go. All right. As you, as you prepare to take off in this great adventure, we want you to know you leave with our love and our blessing. And it is our desire that as you enter into this experience, you do so knowing that God is preparing you for something in life. And you will remember that. I promise you, you remember it. So let's pray for a moment. And I ask those who are gathered out there, raise a hand as a sign of blessing for these people. Holy and gracious God, we give you thanks for the joy of the life of faith that you bless us with. We thank you for the opportunities to travel, to learn, and to be in community with our friends. We ask now that you would bless these people. You would bless the leaders that will be caring for them, that you will bless them, grant them safe journey and safe travel, and that you will fill their hearts with a sense of gratitude for the life that we're given to live, our life of faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, before you leave, you put your hand in the waters of baptism. You make the sign of the cross, and we wish you the best. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you, Deacon Amy. You're welcome. Take care now. I invite you, as you're able to please, stand as we enter into worship. We gather here this morning in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering song, Let Us Go Now to the Banquet.
song of prayer. It's a prayer that we sing to one another.
your hearts with me in prayer, please. Gracious God, you generously, your generosity waters the world with goodness. And you cover creation with abundance. Awaken in us a hunger for the food that satisfies both body and spirit. And with this food, fill all the starving world. Stir in our hearts the joy to make this true. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The first lesson this morning is from Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. The Lord upholds all who are failing and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living being. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. This Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will sing the praise of the Lord, and all the flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Alan, for reading that psalm. And it's so beautiful to put those words in our heart. So this next song is, It Is Well With My Soul. Sometimes it really seems not, doesn't it? However, our faith is not a feeling. It's a knowledge deep, deep within us that no matter what, it is well with our soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is So oh. 
I think my standard for music now is when it makes me want to cry. That was beautiful. Thank you, Joy, Donna, Linda. Thank you so much for the gift of that. Wow. Uh, God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Um, I need to say, families—families families are a hoot. That doesn't sound very technical, I know, but besides me, I, I was registered marriage and family therapist for over 30 years, and I would sit with families. Let me just say to you, there isn't anything that you can imagine that I haven't heard. But with families, I tell them, your story is holy ground. Everyone's family story is holy ground, no matter how broken or no matter how at a loss it may feel. And so, with that in mind, I have one sibling, a sister, four years behind me in school. 
We have a wonderful relationship. She is smart. She is witty. She's darling. She's generous. She is a special giving soul. And our love, thanks be to God, is mutual. It, now, it wasn't always swell. <laughs> My father, who never got past sixth grade, was raised without, his father died young, was raised without any male kind of role models. And so he had no idea how to parent, and since I was the oldest, he practiced parenting on me. And sometimes, to be quite honest, he wasn't very good at it. Now, my sister, who was this charming, darling little thing, who had daddy wrapped around that finger, some of you may have had similar stories, she knew how to get me into trouble. Dad, 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 Tom's hitting me, Tom's hitting me. And dad would storm in a corporal punishment. I would be on the receiving end of it. It just, you know, it was that way for years. One day, though, one day, I made the mistake. My sister's on one couch. I'm on another 15 feet away. We're watching television. I made the mistake of making eye contact with her. Dad, dad, Tom's hitting me, Tom's hitting me. And dad would come storming in. But this time, my mother witnessed it. She stopped dad. She says, this is what happened. Well, he harumped and left the room with, a, well, don't do it anyways. Don't do it anyways. And I asked my mom, I said, Mom, can I hit her just once? <laughs> she said, okay. <laughs> just once. So I sent my sister flying over the ottoman, curled up in a ball on the floor. And my mom said, don't ever do it again. I says, okay, Mom, I won't. Thanks. Now, I share this little vignette with you, not because I want to make confession or suggest to you that I'm harboring some long-sense deep-seated guilt. Are you nuts? Are you kidding? Au contraire. No, I share this with you because I know what that kind of justice could feel like. Oh, we get to get even. And I understand why. In movie plots and things like that, we love the strong guy who comes, rises up and defeats the bad people so that the innocent can receive righteous dispensation. That kind of vicarious judgment where the downtrodden are elevated and the perpetrators are not. And I, I know I, our Lord said, justice is mine. I know that. And I know our Lord said, you know, in the end, I will sort the wheat from the chaff. I will do that right. But in the interim, sometimes righteous indignation, well, it's a sweet taste to it. Now, by the way, there was one more chapter to that story of my sister. Fast forward a few years when we were young adults, she became a black belt. <laughs> a black belt in one of those things where, you know, you can reach down someone's heart or throat and rip their heart out or something like that. Anyways, my sister was a full six inches shorter than I am. Apparently, I said something that displeased her, and her foot rose up, and her heel drove my shoulder and me to the floor. Had no idea how that happened or how fast that happened. But my sister, when all was said and done, said, any questions? <laughs> nope, no questions. So with that context in mind, that context, here's the gospel lesson. 
reading from Matthew, the 14th chapter, beginning with the 13th verse. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they might go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, and he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord you know, there's many a sermon preached on the mechanics of the feeding of the 5,000. All the Gospels, all four, record this event. Did bread and fish mysteriously spin off the fingers of Jesus to the extent that everyone got a doggy bag left over to take home with them? Or did Matthew leave out an important piece of the story that we find in Mark's Gospel? where Jesus has the people sit in groups of 50 and 100. That is, this large body was now organized in communities. What is critical is how Jesus broke with convention. Convention and custom would say, and would be understood and accepted, that the master would be fed first. The people would find meaning in that, that they had provided for the master, the teacher, that he would re receive food first. But yet Jesus blesses the food and sends it out where it mysteriously, with Jesus' example of putting others first, they remembered, well, I had brought some bread and I had some figs and this person had something to share. And when all and said was done, everyone was provided for. There was enough. So we are left to ponder what's called the myth of scarcity. There is enough. We just need to learn how to share better. How constrained is our faith by the myth of scarcity? Moses led the recalcitrant and obstreperous Israel out into the wilderness, the Exodus. He leads them out there, out of slavery, only to hear the people complain, hey, Moses, you know, <clears throat> at least in slavery, we had cucumbers and leeks and meat me to eat. And then God would provide, and the myth of scarcity would go away again for a while. But yet it came back, even the myth of scarcity came back when they sent spies into the promised land, the promised land, to see what it will take to go where God had promised them to, that they would occupy as their home. And the spies came back and said, we can't go to that land because the people who live there are too tall. Too tall. 
which means we are scarce in resources to be able to accomplish what God wants us to do. So God says, fine, spend 40 years wandering around the desert then if you cannot believe that I can provide for you. Jesus takes what he has, blesses it, and shares with those who are gathered, and everyone had enough plus more. Amazing miracles happen when communities refuse to accept the myth of scarcity. This church is a great example of that. We have refused to accept the myth of scarcity, and we have provided for many. Yet maybe, maybe this myth of scarcity is more woven into our faith than we realize. That is, why is it that it seems so often that God seems scarce exactly when we are in need of a holy presence, the presence of God? We have an autocrat who sacrificed thousands of women, children, and men to conquer Ukraine. We have, we have global warming and floods and drought and millions of people are suffering from malnutrition and loved ones, loved ones that we know and we're carrying in our heart are battling terrible diseases. And where is God when we pray for God to fill the gaps? We confess belief in a loving God. Well, how is God loving? Where is the evidence? I mean, I prayed night and day as did our children that God would bless the healing of Brenda. Where was God? God's love at times felt a bit scarce. I suspect many of you know what it is to pray for a loved one. and It seems like our prayers were not answered. I prayed. You have. Where is God? In Matthew's gospel, immediately prior to the feeding of the 5,000, is Matthew's recording of one of the most despicable scenes in all of Scripture. Disgusting King Herod orders the beheading of John the Baptist because his lust and weak character is inflamed by the provocative dancing of the daughter of his wife Herodias, who until recently was married to his brother Philip, but Herod decided he wanted her as his wife, so he took her, and John the Baptist made the mistake of speaking out against this unholy marriage, this unholy relationship. But this girl, who is not even named, dances, and pawn slime Herod says, you can have whatever you want, and she asks at her mother's prodding, for the head of John on a platter. Where was the loving God in that moment? How did that happen? Where is the justice? Where is the hand of God? This was Jesus' cousin. Jesus undoubtedly loved his cousin who had been preaching a gospel of repentance calling people to faith to prepare. Well, how do you prepare for such evil as that? People can look at the head of someone just on a platter. 
the segue between the grisly scene of John the Baptist and the feeding of the 5,000, I actually read it to you. It was the first verse of today's gospel lesson. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus retreats. He retreats to that place. Jesus retreats to a solitary place in search of a loving God who he was reminded was in fact not scarce in that moment, but in fact was present with John in his suffering. He was with him. God was with John. God was present with John. John was not alone. John was, God was with John in that terrible moment. My Brenda was not alone in her death. God who loved her was with her, keeping her company. As was God with every one of our loved ones who we pine for and we remember and we wish for one more moment with them. Not alone. You see, if God is somehow in the suffering, participating as a suffering object along with us, then we can see a loving God who does not abandon us or feel scarce. Now, now, there can be something even redemptive, even in suffering, because God is doing it with us. With us. God is with us, participating with us in the suffering. I mean, maybe we can find love in such a God who meets us in the darkest moments. Can I trust such a God who can even be present when there's only five loaves and two fish and the moment appears to be scarce without sufficient resources? Father Richard Rohr wrote in Breathing Underwater, if we are participating in something together and human suffering has some kind of direction or cosmic meaning, I can forgive such a God for leaving us in what seems like such desperate straits. And maybe I can even find love and trust for such a God. Close quote. God who will be with us even in moments of injustice. Jesus does not observe human suffering from a distance but is in human suffering with us. It helps beyond words to know for me, Brenda, and for you, all of you who carry in your heart the death of a loved one, that Jesus was with them. Jesus emerged from his solitary place, grateful that John was not alone in his death. And God was not scarce, but with him. And Jesus blessed five loaves and two fish. And can you believe that that was enough? God is good? All the time. We stand as we sing our hymn of the day. Stand as you are able. Will you come and follow me? Verse 2 will be sung by high voices. Verse 4 will be sung by low voices.
in the prayers of the church. Each petition will end with God of abundance and we will respond. Hear our prayer. God of all, have compassion on us when we call as we pray for those in any need and for all of creation. God, you call us to the table, to abundance in you, and to your heart of love. Let us trust your invitation and extend radical hospitality to all people. Let us love and invite others, just as they are, as you have loved us. God of abundance, creative God, we pray for the earth in this summertime. We give thanks for times of relaxation and regeneration. 
Make us good stewards of creation. Keep watch over those who toil to protect our forest and communities from fire and work to mitigate the effects of natural disasters around the world. God of abundance. We lift up all who prioritize their health, mental, physical, and spiritual, over the demands of a world that always asks for more. Give us holy rest. We especially lift up the family and friends of Bill Cochran following Bill's death this past week. His legacy of selfless generosity and joy will be remembered fondly. Rest in peace, God of abundance. Healing God, you are gracious and merciful, upholding all who fall and raising those bowed down. Give us eyes to see and hearts to understand how we can follow your example of inclusion and heed your invitation to reach beyond our privilege to end poverty and racism, opening our hands to help satisfy the desire of every living thing. God of abundance. In situations of conflict, O oh God, we often feel helpless. Guide us, and in all situations of power and authority, to bring solutions that provide dignity, relief from violence, and redress from grievances, tempered by grace and mercy. God of abundance. God, you provide food for all in amazing abundance. Let us be your hands and feet, sharing that gift. Into your embrace, gracious God, we commend for all whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you always. Share God's peace with one another. Go for a walk. Thanks for sharing in that greeting of peace. <clears throat> Wonderfully done. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Words of abundance, lack of scarcity. So glad you're here today with us. Um, one of the notable absences today is our sister Robin, who is on vacation. So we just want to celebrate that event. Um, <laughs> birthdays today, Jeff Terizio. David Rose, neither is here. Wish them well, had to send them a happy birthday greeting. And um, just want you to notice, I'm sure you've noticed them by now, but some amazing displays on these shelves up here. Verna and Earl 
Thank you so much. And beauty, beauty arises from, uh, from our midst and from those talented hands and, and that vision. So thank you so much. Lana, may I call on you? Pastor Jim uh, bugging me, but that's okay. I'll get over it. Oh, he's watching. He's oh, watching. I know. Okay, so the first one, um, somebody left a phone, so it was in one of the back pews. It's got a really cute dog and a little, a little baby on it. So if it's yours, I've got it in the back. Okay. All right. So two quick announcements. All right. The first one. Yes, that's my grandson, sorry. Um, next Sunday is Hawaiian Day or T-shirt day. Now, if you haven't gotten your school bus yellow T-shirts yet, I have, I have some more in my office, so if you need some, um, you can get them from me, okay? You can wear any T-shirt you want, um, just maybe not the holy ones. Well, I don't know, holy sounds good. All right. The next one. All right, so um, August 17th is our third Thursday luncheon, and we are doing summer sandwiches. Sounds pretty easy, uh, except I'm not really quite sure how you would do a side dish of a summer sandwich. Of a sandwich? I don't know. I can do a dessert, and I could probably do a main dish, but I. Okay, have pickles. Oh, thank you, thank you. So um, that's it for me. So hopefully everybody put it on your calendar August 17th and don't forget to dress up next weekend because I know you all like to dress up. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lana. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Um, there are a couple of flower spots, by the way, I think available on that flower chart, although September and October are mostly full now. So um, let us know if you want to do that, sign up for that. Uh, notice, if you will, when you leave the sanctuary, go into the, uh, into the narthex and notice the quilt display on the wall. Alice Conroy put these up in the middle of the week, and they are wonderful. It's just beautiful, beautiful work, so go see that. Um, let's see, memorial for Judy Engman. Remember Judy? Uh, August 19th at 11 o'clock, so put that one on your calendar. And then, um, as you heard in the prayers, um, our brother Bill Cochran died this week. And Bill has put up the lights on the church and done so many things for all of these years. And um, his uh, service, we believe, will be August 24th, early afternoon. That's not, details are not totally set yet, but plan ahead for that. Um, yeah, um, so, many, so many saints from this community, and uh, all are missed, and we will miss Bill as well. So um, this afternoon, 3 o'clock, at St. Augustine's organ recital, Henry Lebedinsky. So if you want to do that this afternoon, that would be the place to go. Any other announcements? Nothing you can think of, right? Nothing here? Hearing nothing. Uh, we'll carry on and move to the table. Thank, Thank you, you. Thank you, Mark. Carl, uh, I, I would remind you for, of two things. One. This is an open table. All are welcome. It is Jesus who invites us all to come.
regardless of our life of faith in the church, you are invited to come and to receive the meal, to take the bread and to dip it into the chalice of your choice. The first one will contain juice. I guess what I would ask of you as we prepare to receive this, though the portions we receive are small, God's grace is not scarce. God works through bread and wine and is present with us, the body and blood. So I invite you, as you're able, to please stand. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. It is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after the supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant. It is poured out on my blood for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we share in the mystery of Christ's real presence here with us now and who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, Please be seated. The ushers will direct you.
many ways can I be grateful? How many ways? Given the chance, I'm gonna tell you how. the blessings I have known. I've got a list and I will tell you how. Grateful for each breath awake. Grateful for each step I take. Grateful that I'm here to play my Grateful for the morning sun, grateful when the day is done, grateful that I have you in my Grateful for this universe, for the better and the worse. Grateful that the world keeps spinning round. Oh, grateful for some memories. Grateful for my hopes and dreams. Grateful for the blessings I have found. How many ways can I give praises for all the gifts I have? Given the chance, I'm gonna shout out loud. Grateful for each breath away. Grateful for each step I take, grateful that I'm here to play my part. Oh, grateful for the morning sun, grateful when the day is done, grateful that I have you in my heart. See the instructions. How many ways can I be grateful? How many ways? How many ways can I be grateful? How many ways? I'm grateful. How many ways can I be I invite you please to stand as you're able.
May the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the gift of his precious blood strengthen and preserve you in perfect faith unto life eternal. Amen. Amen. As you leave here this day out into your ministry in the world, again, as you are reminded every Sunday, go with confidence that Christ's spirit will be sufficient for you in every moment and that God's grace will provide for you that which you need to find yourself as his chosen in that moment. God bless you in your ministry. And now... Receive the benediction. May God bless us, bless you, and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending him, we are called.